Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Other horn, let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a soft place to play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Dominate the way you're playing against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Hear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, we attended quite a game on Saturday in Dallas, and um, we're going to have to be in midseason form to give this game justice. Um, to me, and this sounds weird, but to me, the game was closer really than the score. Was this a USC really being the worst ranked team in the history of rankings? Is this Alabama really being this good, or is it something in the middle? Man, I think you kind of said it best in the in the stadium at some point around the middle of the game. You know, when when the score was not in doubt anymore, you were like, you know, are we really um, – are they making us look better than we are or are they worse than we, you know, thought they were coming in? You know, on the, on the one hand, I think that we, we do we, – we are blessed with an embarrassment of riches when it comes to just the depth that Saban has built that a lot of teams don't have. Um, but then second of all, when you go back and look at the tape – um, I just really think that they just – I don't think they played up to their potential. Uh, some people around us said, you know, they'd be lucky to win five games. I don't see that. I, I see maybe them winning six or seven. Um, but I just think that they really just didn't show up at all after the after the first quarter, really. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I read an article with uh, their safety, Chris Hawkins, and, and he was saying, you know, that they were prepared, they had practiced – but they weren't playing at full speed, that they had some guys that didn't have, uh, you know, he, he used the expression, they didn't know the playbook by heart. And if you know the playbook by heart, you can play full speed. And they weren't able, or not everyone was able to play full speed. And and that tells me they're not really ready. They're not really prepared. And, and, and you know, th- over the course of the game, that seemed to show. Another thing I, you know, I kind of want to highlight, and, and we spent some time with this, you know, talking last year when we played Wisconsin, we said, you know, this is sort of the perfect, the perfect storm, right? It's a name brand program with uh, a pocket quarterback and a weak def- defensive front, and so we're going to get after their immobile quarterback, and we're going to run against their weak front, and it's a name brand team, so we're going to look good for doing all the things that is sort of in our wheelhouse. Well, USC was just more of that, right? They had a uh, a starting quarterback that 
you know, God bless him. He's a, you know, he was a five-star recruit, but he's a redshirt junior that had 28 snaps in his career. That means something, right? And, and of course, they were weak and thin across the defensive front. And so they had, they had all the markings of a great first game for Alabama. And, and, and they're even a bigger name program than Wisconsin. And, you know, of course, our guys were a little more hyped up, I guess. And, there's were two, and you know it's the old Mike Tyson line, right? Everyone has a plan, and you get punched in the nose. And they came out, looked good from the start, and uh, then they got punched in the nose. Uh, this this good offense, man. There's a lot to talk about on offense. What uh, what jumps out to you? Well, you know the the first thing that that I wanted to talk about is is really the quarterback situation, and and obviously you know Saban has has had some interesting things to say after the game about kind of what his comments were, you know, leading up to the game. And um, I I think from the quarterback position, um, I think the jury's out. And so I I guess what I mean is, is that I I think kind of like Saban has said since the game, you know, I think there's more to still unfold. Um, I think that we are going to see these young quarterbacks continue to get opportunities um, it's going to be up to them what they make of the opportunities. Um, I think the offensive line didn't help matters um, for either quarterback. Um, I, I saw numerous breakdowns from the offensive line, you know, which sounds nitpicky when we, when we killed them. Um, but I think that has more to do with just big plays that didn't go USC's way. You know, you take out some really big plays and the score is not as lopsided as it, as it seems. And so I think Jalen Hurts, I think he looked good when he was in there. Uh, I think that um, Barnett didn't look bad when he was in there those first three series. You go back and watch those three series. There were some breakdowns where he had guys in his face in a hurry, and there was not a whole lot he could do with the ball. Um, I think he looked better later in the game. But I think that it'll be fun to watch these two battle it out, which it seems like it's these two. Um, for the next two or three weeks until we get into the SEC schedule and uh, and see who's the quarterback. Yeah, everyone, <clears throat> and I completely agree with that. This is going to be a fun battle to, to, to watch. And, you know, this game was only one game, and that's all it will ever be. You know, we just have a single sort of a singular data point here. And for all the, the hype and all the bluster, you know, who's going to be the starter? Who's going to be the starter? You know, Saban's plan was Hertz is going to come in on Series 3 and and then you know we'll kind of take it from there. And you and I and the, gosh, this goes way back. This goes back to McCarron and, and Star, right? You know who who was sort of battling out and sort of manufacturing possessions and manufacturing you know a contest. You know you could almost say Hertz was in a better position coming in with a third possession than than Barnett was starting because the whole offensive line, everyone sort of gets their jitters out, settles down. And then Hertz comes in with a settled down offense. And so, you know, it's almost a chicken or egg. Did Hertz help settle down the team or did the team settle down and he just kind of walked into that opportunity? I, I think it's more the latter because when Barnett came back out, he played very well. And, you know, they handed off, we handed uh, the tight handed off the, the ball a lot more. But, you know, he looked point on on uh, on his pass to, to Gary late, you know, much later in the game. And, I think that he still has a phenomenal amount of upside. I think Hertz really showed, you know, that he's a freshman, but, you know, he got two running, two passing. You, that's hard to beat, you know, however you break it down. And so I, I think he said it right. I think this is going to be a fun contest. There's going to be fans rooting for one versus the other. That's going to happen. But, you know, you break it down. I think this is going to be a fun contest. And, 
you know, next week we'll get down into breaking that game. But, you know, next week it might be fun to see how that unfolds. Uh, I think they're both going to get some extended opportunity. Well, it'll be interesting to see who starts in the game against Western Kentucky. It'll be interesting to see how he manages the series of who does what. Okay. But, you know, for example, the, the big pass to Ardarius Stewart on the broken coverage where nobody covered him, right? Mm-hmm. Any of our three quarterbacks could have completed that pass, right? And so, so what I meant by that, you know, just to be clear, is were there some opportunity? Okay, the 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 pass that, it, and I went back and even looked at the uh, pass to Ardarius Stewart uh, that hurts through in the end zone, and on that play, the DB pushes Stewart out of bounds, okay, and he literally pushed him out of bounds. He didn't run out of bounds. Well, then our Darius Stewart is smart to say, okay, I'm going to come back in bounds because I can still touch the ball because you pushed me out. Right. But the quarterback completely stops because he's like, oh, he's out of bounds. And the safety who's over the top helping. So our Darius Stewart kind of runs by both of them and they just kind of stand there. And then the safety is like, wait a minute, why is he still running? So the safety starts to go. And by this point, it's too late. Our Darius Stewart is behind both of them. Okay, because I was like, how in the hell did our Darius Stewart get so open on single man coverage with the safety over the top? Well, it's because they both stopped. And so did Hertz deliver the ball? Yes. Um, Does he have a strong arm? Yes. So credit to you. You got the ball where it needed to be. If the other two quarterbacks were in that situation, could they have put the ball there? Maybe not. Maybe so. Maybe not. Okay. And so and so Hertz comes in his first play. He fumbles the ball. Right. Um, he throws a pick, you know, when he doesn't see the DB in front of the receiver. So he's got two turnovers on the game and you know how much Saban loves turnovers, right? And so what was, what was neat about Saban is, is when he had these turnovers, Saban put him back in there, right? And, and maybe the score helped because we were kicking their tail so bad, right? But he didn't berate him like he did AJ McCarron years ago. And so I think Saban is going to patiently let both of these quarterbacks develop. And as he likes to say, who is going to win the team over? So if it's Hurts, guess what? It'll be your job. If Blake Barnett wins the team over, it'll be his job, right? Just like Coker did last year against Ole Miss when he was running the ball and scrambling. And, you know, Saban says that's really what won the team over. So I guess what I'm saying is, is the juries, the people that says, oh, Hurts is the guy, I'm sorry. You, you can't just say that yet. Okay. Is Barnett may, the guy? You can't just say that yet. So, yeah. Th- those folks may be proven to be right, but the decision hasn't been made yet. Correct. Correct. And, and I, and I think, and, and you kind of know this from the quarter, from my quarterback standpoint is, you know, looking back at the game, um, you know, six of 10 or six of 11 for Hertz. Good job. Okay. Blake Barnett, good stats as well, but they were very limited, right? They sure. both threw like, you know, I think Barnett threw less than 10 passes and Hurts threw 11 passes. So I'm just saying the jury's out for me. You know, one of you guys show me y'all can complete 20 of 25 or 20 of 30 for 200 yards of the two touchdowns I like, you know, and manage the offense and don't commit turnovers, et cetera, and make good decisions. Okay, that's where I'm at. So right now I don't think either one of y'all are there yet. I'm going to act like I didn't hear what you said. you want to predict who's, who it's going to be? 
No, no, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think I'm comfortable predicting who it's going to be. Um, I think that obviously if it was like a race, you know, would Hertz be in the lead right now? Absolutely. Hertz would be in the lead right now, but even on his two rushing touchdowns, you know, they, to your point about manufacturing stuff, right. They could have given the ball to a running back to get those running touchdowns. They chose to let Hertz get those touchdowns. Right. And so, um, which probably helped his confidence. That was great. I think when Barnett came back out there, he looked a little bit more settled. I even went back and looked at the third series, uh, Barnett's last series at the beginning of the game. He had like a third and eight or something. And in the game, he threw the ball at OJ Howard on an out for like five yards, and OJ was tackled. And I was like, when we were sitting in the stands, I was like, why did he throw that pass so short? Well, when you go back and look at the footage, they had four down linemen. They had a middle linebacker. The middle lineman, the middle linebacker rushes uh, through the middle, and the center totally uh, uh, misses him. Um, the um, the outside defensive end goes to the quarterback. Cam Cam blocks down, leaves him totally unimpeded, and he comes straight at Barnett, full sprint. Nobody blocks him. Well, that might have helped Barnett get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly for a five-yard out because he had a guy unblocked coming right at his face. Right. And so you just got to take all that into account and say that, you know, overall, I think that um, they're both young guys, and I think it will just be an interesting battle to watch. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think there's a lot of improvement, you know, whichever guy, right? I mean, we started with with 12 yards in the first quarter. You know, we had four, five, three and outs to, to start the game. But we on the game, we were six of 15 third down conversions, and, you know, only, only 15 first downs on the game. So I think there's a lot of improvement everywhere, and I think that's going to start and that's going to start at the quarterback position. And uh, it's also going to start uh, or certainly play through, and you mentioned it, the offensive line. There was a little uh, – little bit of uh, disruption at, at the beginning of the game. Um, and then uh, in a presser, uh, Saban kind of dropped the mic and, and walked off saying that uh, Alphonse Taylor was suspended for the first game or had been suspended for the first game, and he'll be back playing next week. And then sort of walked off before there could be questions. Um, you know, you and I talked about this uh, following the game when some of that news first came out. Where you wanna where you wanna take that conversation? I mean, we started left to right, Cam, Cotton, Bozeman, Pierce Bacher, and Jonah Williams. Where do you insert Alphonse Taylor or do you insert Alphonse Taylor into that starting five? You know, um, after going back and watching, you know, pieces of the game, um, because I do think that the offensive line will help the comfort level of both of these quarterbacks. I think both of these quarterbacks did not look as settled as they should have looked if the offensive line would have played the way they should have played. And so to be fair, I think we have, we have questions still in the offensive line. And I think that uh, I think Alphonse Taylor will be starting next week. Um, I think that it will help to have a third starter uh, from last year back on the field and having gone back and watched a lot of the tape, um, I'm going to surprise you in a little bit and tell you that I think Cotton is going to be the guy who sits. Um, I going back and watching the game, it you know, it looked to me like Bradley Bozeman called a pretty good game. Uh, Bradley Bozeman uh, played pretty well. Um, he um, he played better than I thought he did. Sure. And 
and I think that um, I think I could see Ross Piercebacher going back to left guard, Alphonse Taylor going back to right guard, um, given that stability of where they were before, and uh, having Bozeman uh, at center uh, to continue playing center. And um, that's what I think that they're going to look like. You know, I tend to agree. I think the only the only variation of that, and 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 sort of the big, you know, sort of breaking news the week before the game was Pierschbacher and Bozeman, you know, swapping positions. And so I don't think they swap again. And then Bozeman sits, and Alphonse uh, sits at that that left guard position. Uh, there was a reason uh, that Bozeman moved over for for Pierschbacher, and, and and Bozeman had had started some and certainly played some at center before and and making the line calls and such you know i don't want to uh you know we shouldn't assume that that's an easy thing because we know it's not that, that's the, one of the hardest positions to play uh along the uh the offensive front so i, I agree with you i think bozeman stays at center i think the the question really becomes <clears throat> you know does pierce you know do we reset the guards from last season do we move pierce back to left and then bring alphonse back to right or, and I think it was two years ago, Alphonse spent some time playing at, uh, at at left guard. And so, do we leave Piercebacker and then just and then take and then I think Cotton's the odd man out. I agree with you there. I just think the question, and you and I have talked about three or four permeations, and and I'm coming up with a nerd, another one just sitting here, right? You know, does Piercebacker stay where he was, and then we just switch out Cotton for Alphonse, or do we move Piercebacker back to where he was last year and put? Uh, Alphonse back where he was last year, and I think I think there's a, a certain amount of logic to that, right? Let's reset three starters from last year at their you know last year positions. Um, you know the only sort of variable there is how helpful was Piercebacher. The variable for me, how helpful was Piercebacher with uh, Jonah? And so if 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 there was some assistance going on there, then maybe it makes sense to move Alphonse to the other side. Um, those are things that we won't know, but we'll find out Saturday. No, but I will say that I would. I'm gonna. I'm going to wager that Alphonse Taylor is going to give better push um, on the running plays uh, versus uh, versus Pierce Walker. Sure. Uh, I'm also going to uh, wager that I think if we do any pulling with the guards, which we didn't really see any of at all in this game. I think Pierce Bacher is going to be called on more to do that than Alphonse Taylor will be. Yeah. And so I will say that I see, I see value in putting Taylor at the left guard next to Cam Robinson and saying, here's where our, our meat and potatoes are going to be running behind you two boys. I, I can see, I can see that, and and if Ross is providing help to Jonah Williams, that's not a bad thing because then you can pull Ross Piercebacher behind. Um, you can pull him from the right side behind Alphonse Taylor and Cam Robinson when you're trying to run a trap up the left side, you know, between guard and tackle. And now you've got a pretty successful running game because let's face it, that running game was anemic. They had a couple big, they had a couple big runs, um, which padded the stats. Yep. And it obviously helped Damian Harris to pad the stats, but it's just like Jalen Hurts, right? Didn't you say that of Jalen Hurts, 118 yards, that 113 of them came to Ardarius Stewart on those two plays? Yep. Like 112, 113, something like that. So so my point is, is big plays was the story of the night for our offense and the stats that we did have. 
And um, we were not able to run down your throat, grind you out running game when, quite frankly, with two backup middle, with two backup linebackers not playing, a third backup linebacker showing his ass during the game, um, they were pretty thin at the, at the front seven. And we definitely did not have the success running the ball that, that we should have. Yeah, I agree. I'd rather have big plays than not have them. But, you know, you guys, you know, you and I have been watching this long enough. I'd much rather have, you know, give me a 12-play, nine-minute drive, uh, you know, a 16-play, 12-minute drive where we are just demoralizing them. Um, you know, <laughs> I think they kept running their mouth all through the game because, you know, we were so quick strike. But I think if we had just – you know, buried them within the turf with with some long running drives. I think I think they would have, um, you know, certainly they would have been equally, if, if not more, demoralized, and, and they certainly would have shut their traps a little bit uh, a little bit quicker. Uh, and, and frankly, if we'd beat them up in that way, we probably wouldn't have scored fifty two points. But you and I would probably be more satisfied with the outcome. Yeah, it's just it, you know. Just to be clear to, to the listeners, we definitely are happy with, you know, with how things worked out. It's just I don't think we made them quit. Right. Like, I don't think we like beat them into submission. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And and we didn't prove that we could possess the ball. Right. You know, converting third downs, driving the field. There's something to a 12 of 12 play drive. There just is. Right. There's a certain will, uh, you know, mesh with uh, ability to, uh, to 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 drive the ball, you know, 80 yards, 12 plays. You know, taking eight minutes off the clock. Um, there's something to that. And that's something that we're going to need. You know, and the whole thing that Saban says, you know, take the air out of the ball. Well, we didn't necessarily prove that we could take the air out of the ball. Uh, we're going to have to do that. When we think about playing some up-tempo teams, we can't have this many three and outs. We're going to have to drive the ball, uh, to, you know, win the time of possession, drive the length of the field, you know, even if even if we get six or seven plays and, and, and kick a field goal, there's, you know, six or seven plays and we still have to punt. You know, we've got to get some first downs. And then, you know, obviously you want to drive the field and, and score touchdowns. But we're going to have to possess the ball, uh, you know, two weeks against Ole Miss, right? We're going to have to possess the ball against Ole Miss in a way that we did not possess the ball against uh, against USC. And that's going to necessitate some some flipping on the line. I think I think you and I are of the same mind. Cotton, uh, you know, Cotton probably is the the odd man out at the guard position, and then it's just a function of, you know, Pierce Bacher and I, and Taylor. Where can they best fit in and both feel, you know, both kind of be the most comfortable, and then whatever kind of support Jonah is getting from from you know kind of Ross on that side, you know, because he's a true freshman and he has some development to do there. Uh, but any any sort of support network he can get from the guard position, I think is going to help him. No, absolutely. Well, tell me something else that jumped out from you from the, uh, from the offensive side of the ball after the offensive line discussion. Yeah, I think he, I I think the big thing that jumped out to me was Damian Harris. Uh, Not only his stat line, I was actually, you know, I knew he had a couple of runs. I was, I guess at one point I was surprised that that it, it netted 140. So good for him, nine for 140. He had two long runs and, um, you know, he wasn't able to finish those and convert those in, into touchdowns. You'd like to see a running back, you know, sort of take it to the house when they get open field. But, you know, you bust that kind of run, uh, you, you know, you can maybe get a little nitpicky there. The thing that stood out to me 
was we started to rotate him in on clear passing downs. And so that tells me that, that, uh, that he's picking up, and it was almost predictable, that we're going to bring him in. Uh, we rotated a lot of backs. We didn't kind of do possession, possession. We almost did play by play. But we would bring in Damien on a clear uh, passing down. And that really speaks to me that Bo uh, isn't ready in, in that way. And that's going to hamper his, you know, ability to get on the field because we can't be predictable. We can't be, oh, you can tell if they're running and passing by the running back that's in. And so that's something that we're going to have to watch. Uh, we've got some game footage on that, and those are the trends that teams start to scout. And so, uh, you know, Damien's either going to be more of a full-time back or Bo's going to have to learn to uh, pass block. No, that's true. Um, I, I will say there was even a, a few moments early in the game where, where Damien, to be fair, had had struggled on a few pass uh, protection plays early in the game, and um, Bozeman had had basically scraped off his guy to help uh, to help out Pierce Bocker, and Damien Harris stepped in behind him and 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 let the guy just come by him and didn't even like like acted like wait a minute I didn't know this was my guy so. Here's an example of we've been blessed. And, and this this is a great point that Saban made the other day on a show. He said, you know, this is the first year that I haven't had a returning running back with some significant playing experience in my two-headed – he didn't say two-headed monster, but I'm going to say two-headed monster. Sure. And he sat there and rattled off all the different guys, right, going back to Eddie Lacy, Mark yep. Ingram, et cetera. Well, um, that's going to factor into the pass protection. And I think when we get into the meat of our schedule and teams that start blitzing heavily, um, I think that's going to be a, a learn, you know, a, okay, we still have a quarterback battle. We still have a third down protection battle. My point is yeah. Damon Harris is who they felt the most comfortable with. But if we get into the meat of the schedule and the linebackers start shifting and flying and Damien's eyes start swimming, you know, we might see a fullback or somebody else coming there. That's all I'm saying. It's, I, you know, it's that that's an interesting situation because you got two young quarterbacks who are vying for a starting job. And I'm not comfortable right now with any of the running backs from the quarterback protection. I didn't see a running. I didn't see Damien Harris lower his helmet into somebody's shoulder pads and knock a linebacker back is all I'm saying. I'm just calling that as I see it. I didn't, I didn't see anything like, wow, you really let that quarterback step up in the pocket and throw the ball. We didn't see that. No, you're spot on. I mean, you know, just because he was the best one of, of what we've got doesn't mean he was, you know, an all-star at it. Right. And so, um, you know, we're going to have to get some improvement in there. I don't want to, you know, in a passing situation like that, have to have two backs back there or an H back and a running back, you know, but if we have to, you know, we will. And it, and it goes back to, you know, sort of attrition through the years and, and you lose guys and you don't, you know, sort of in the moment we absorb the loss. But, you know, think about if we still had Alvin Kamara, who's now playing at, at Tennessee and or, you know, Alfred Tenpenny and, you know, you know, he was lost in a tragic car accident, but, you know, it, but what if they were on the team, right? I mean, they were on the team, they came in with, uh, and it seems there was a third running back that the uh, uh, name escapes me, uh, but uh, it was a kid out of Georgia, but uh, it, you know, if they were, they came in with, uh, with Derrick Henry and if they had stayed with the team, you know, then they would be seniors right now. And, 
they could pick up a mean blitz, right? I mean, you know, and so it's that type of attrition that, that, you know, we've done very well or, you know, Saban and the coaching staff has done very well sort of moving beyond and, and not having that attrition kind of bite us later. But you could point to this being a case where maybe it, maybe, maybe we did get bit here in a way, you know, because we had three of those running, we had four running backs that came in with that class. Derek left as a junior as well. He should have, but the other three, um, you know, they all left even earlier than that. So four running backs out of that class didn't last three years. That's a little bit surprising. Well, no, and 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 that just goes to how valuable those type of players are, right? That's why it's so valuable on a team to have those unheralded guys who stick around and give you that veteran leadership. And so we might see a Joshua Jacobs or a B.J. Emmons who might find a crack – Yep. Um, of stepping into a bigger role on this team, Damien and Bo falters in their pass protection. And so I'm not being critical on Damien. He's still young. Sure, I'm just sure. saying that we don't have that guy in our top two returning who knows, oh, this this is, you know, this is a role I need to play. I think we're we're still we, we are very blessed at the skill position, and we're blessed to have three returning offensive linemen, but we lost a three-year single caller, signal caller at center. We have a new quarterback, and we got young guys in the backfield. So we could see we could see an O.J. Howard uh, in a two-back formation as an H-back. Um, you know, we could see by the SEC schedule O.J. Howard having to sit back there or another tight end having to sit back there for blitz pickup. That's all I'm yeah. saying. No, no, no. I, I agree. And that's something, you know, we would certainly want to uh, and I would say we would need to avoid. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Right. I mean, you know, if the quarterback's on his back, he can't throw the ball. And so if, if that means one less receiver on the route, but the quarterback's on his feet, then you know, that's what you got to do. And so, you know, that's you know, I might say, I, he, he, you know, I might say we have more unanswered questions at the running back position than we do at the quarterback position. And I will be alone on an island saying that. But, you know, that may well be the case. No, no, I think that's fair. And, you know, I, I will say from uh, – I will say just very quickly from the quarterback position, you know, that pass that that Barnett threw late in the third quarter to O.J. Howard, that 40-yard pass was pretty nice. And then that other pass to, to Dieter was 45 yards. And so how long has it been since we could say in a game that two quarterbacks – right, had completed such long, big plays to receivers. And so I think that speaks to the skill position of those guys outside. So I guess the good news is, is we got quarterbacks who can air the ball out. Right. And 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 these guys just need a little time under their belt. And once one of these guys settle in, I think these receivers and O.J. Howard are going to help them greatly. I mean, they're, they're, they're just there waiting to help them. Yeah. And so I, it's just putting it together. Yeah, I think uh, – and speaking of receivers, and this is probably the last point that I have on on offense, but speaking of receivers, for all the explosive plays, for all the big plays, for all the strikes downfield, isn't it interesting and a little bit exciting that none of those were Ridley and Robert Foster? Oh, it is exciting, but I, I think it also speaks to USC probably coming in, right? they were probably really, you know, trying to, you know, key on him, right? And so um, I think that speaks to, to your point, 
uh, and then and then for Dieter, right? For then Dieter to to get one of these balls, I think that really speaks to the to the depth uh, that that this ride receiver core has. And so, you know, that is a position. You know, to your point, if Robert has uh, Robert Foster can come back healthy with him and Stewart and Ridley, um, and then Dieter, and then hopefully Cam Sims. Um, you know, you there's there. Well, well, yeah, I started to say just from the wide receiver position, though, you know, yeah. Saban likes to run five guys. Right. Yep. And so he, he that, those are five guys in the rotation. So, you know, odd man out Derek Keith and, and Raheem Falcons. But um, if those five guys with O.J. Howard can step up, that's huge. Um, one other thing I'll mention very quickly is I think we might see if this offensive line is not able to gel, uh, if we see a Jonah Williams struggle. Uh, if we see uh, issues with just the just the effectiveness of the offensive line, I think Brandon Green might end up getting a bigger role potentially. Like I'm, I, I guess my last point very quickly is I'm curious to see how how Hale does relevant to Brandon Green yep. because Brandon Green gives you that offensive line presence and he is that senior leader. Um, I'd like to see more of him come in in a two tight end situation if we need to and, and get that drive down the field, 12 play type of drive. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, uh, I, I think we're going to see that type of uh, that type of fl- that play that sort of hybrid. He's a tight end, but sort of an extra lineman at the line. I think we're going to see some of that and that's going to be something to watch. We may see us run some of those formations this week, um, you know, just to get some snaps, just to get some at bats kind of, kind of running that through. Um Man, we got to dust off the mini game ball. What do you got uh, on offense from a mini game ball? Man, this is this is tough in this kind of a ball game. Um, I, I think that there's I a think clear from, there's a clear winner on this one in my book. There's a clear winner of a mini game ball in your book. Yes. Um. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna let you go first okay, since you since you got such a slam dunk. Who who's your who's your guy? Man, you have got to tip the cap. To Garrett Dieter, on okay, that's on, where I thought you might go yeah, there. I mean, you've got to, right? I mean, that type of that's you know, the that's the touchdown that's the, to yeah. He comes okay. across the field, outruns, you know, the safety over the top. I mean, so he's really showing you some skills from uh, some speed. From and he's a, showing not, and he's showing knowledge of the football game. Yep, knowledge of the football game. IQ. Yes, yep, football IQ, all the things that you know that we got from Mulaney last year at, at the position. I think Garrick is probably a, you know, he's definitely bigger. He may be a, you know, a more viable sort of receiving threat in, in terms of being a true threat. But running, you know, the speed that he demonstrated, the effort that he demonstrated, the knowledge of sort of the play and, and the game and making a statement to get over there and and just his presence. I mean, he didn't have to body up on the guy, but just his he's presence. Got, and then, in the middle of talking. You know, it kind of demonstrated the DB giving up a little bit. But you know, I'm giving hats off on the effort because how many guys just kind of put their hands in the air and and just you know celebrate a play, uh, and then don't actually do anything to help or support it. I you know you got to give a tip of the nod to the Garrick Dieter. Nope, no, that's a good call. Um, I, I think that he would still qualify as a mini game ball. I'm going to, I am going to give my mini game ball, I think to Damian Harris Um, there, I could go several routes here, but I I will say because, you know, of what he did in breaking a few runs for what he did being thrown in there from pass protection. um, 
he he made a good case to 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 un you know to be that starting guy right him and him and Bo are in kind of the same little you know race that the quarterbacks are and I I think that that he's got a head start on Bo the same way Jalen does on Blake. So in midseason form, Tommy blows up the mini game ball. There you go. So so what's the first thing that jumps out at you on defense, man? You know, I think there there's probably two things that really just jump out like head and shoulders above everything. But, you know, I mean, you know, clock in and give me another dominating performance is really what it nets out to, right? I mean, it was just it was just minute work, right? You know, they you know, they they held them. They held USC to 64 rushing yards. You know, you take away sort of one long run that they had. They held them to 130, you know, passing yards. You kind of take away a big play, and and they really didn't muster much. You know, 194 total yards. You know, for a team that was, you know, heralded as having weapons all over the field, right? The two star running backs and the, and you know the the receivers and. That's that's just pretty darn impressive. You know, we got them off the field repeatedly. You know, they were four of eighteen on third down, two, you know, zero of two on fourth downs, three sacks. You know, they attempted the ball thirty-seven times, but by that time, we had just throttled the life out of them. Um, you know, it was almost, and and I wrote an article that's going to post on on Bama Hammer. It's almost cliched how the defensive game plan played out, right? We lined up in base defense until we shut down the run. And then when they had to start passing, we just flipped a nickel and dime, and right on cue we get a pick six. I think, I think I was counting DBs. It was hard to tell the length of the field from where we sat, but I think the first time we lined up in dime, we pick sixed them, and so it just became just a cliche: Alabama defense doing what Alabama defense does. Well, you know, interesting. Before the start of the game uh, on TV, the announcers, you know, reminded the audience that when uh, uh, Max Brown started the game, he was just the fourth quarterback since Saban has been there in 2007 to be a brand-new starter against Alabama. And so if you think about eight complete seasons going starting season nine, and you think about he's only the fourth starting quarterback to be brand new starter in all the games since Saban has been there. It was very obvious in the game, right? I mean, that, 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 that's a, that's a small number. And so with all the skill positions, they didn't have anybody to get them the ball. And then the other big thing was their fifth year senior, Chad Wheeler left tackle doesn't play, you know, doesn't start. And I don't recall him coming into the game. I don't see 72 uh, to my knowledge, haven't come in the game. And so you're a right-handed quarterback, and the guy who covers your blind side is not playing in the game. And so, oh, by the way, the guy that comes in at left tackle that has to start, he's a true freshman. And so, oh, true freshman, we're going to have you go against Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams and Jonathan Allen. Tim Williams and Jonathan Allen are predicted to be in the top 10 picks in the NFL draft. You see what I'm yeah. saying? So, so you know, so this once again to your point at the beginning of the podcast, this was a great first opponent for us. Brand new quarterback, no left tackle to block, no fifth year senior left tackle to block the blind side. Surprisingly, surprisingly, they did not do any max protection. They didn't do 
I think they did two tight ends once or twice the whole game in their formation. Um, they basically left that true freshman out there by himself. Many times it was five guys, no tight end would stay in. He'd go out and into the route. And so you'd be sitting there with a running back, go out in the route as well. And you'd have a brand new quarterback with five linemen blocking four Bama guys. And so, and so what I will say jumped out at me from a defensive line perspective is three of the guys were always able to be contained a second longer. Yep. But of the four, right, four against five, one guy, it was either either on the left, it was on either on the true freshman or it was on the right tackle, was able to get through and get pressure on the quarterback. And so that doesn't surprise you, right? Tim Williams or Jonathan Allen or uh, Rashawn Evans um, or Ryan Anderson, right? They should be able to consistently beat man on man, motto and motto on the offensive line. And they showed they were able to do that. And so that shouldn't surprise the fans. I mean, granted, they play great. I'm just saying when you break it down that way, right, I still got to see more. No, I mean, I want to see more, too. I mean, they did have a really good offensive line, and that replacement, you know, tackle was still a five-star player. And so, you know, they they have, and, you know, you know, for what it's worth, I guess, today, you know, they were heralded as, as potentially having the best offensive line in the country. And so that clearly didn't, didn't demonstrate itself, and we'll kind of see how that goes from here. But, you know, pro football focus, you know, rated – you know, Tim Williams is, is being the most productive defensive lineman in, you know, the first week of college football. He he affected the quarterback. And so it doesn't necessarily mean uh, a sack or, or a, you know, a hit, but he affected the quarterback, which is Saban's mantra, right? You make him throw off balance. You make him rush. You make him hurry. Um, one, once out of every 3.2 uh, pass rushes, the next guy up was – uh, you know, was the kid at Texas A&M who was, you know, once every four. And so, um, you know, that's a pretty phenomenal sort of advanced metric that, that that's put out there. What I want to see from, from the defensive front is I would say more of the same, you know, not more of more, but more of the same. But what I'd also like to see is more depth. I'd like to see uh, some of the frontline guys be able to rotate. And that's something that Saban in his press conference, he really, you know, he really spent some time talking about that. And he's, he's given kind of the analogy before, you know, you can take one of the small guys and he can run around, uh, you know, a hundred yards on a, on a play and uh, he's winded, but he can go down, uh, you know, catch his breath for a minute and he's ready to go. He can move and run just as fast. You take a big guy and uh, Saban was kind of funny. He said, you take a big guy and uh, when his tank's empty, it won't be fill. It won't. It won't fill up until tomorrow. You know, once he's shot, he's shot. And so, uh, and he's right, right? You know, uh, I, I agree with that. As speaking as a big guy, right? That uh, you know, it, you know, the the motor doesn't run all day, and and so we need more guys that can get in there and run their motors. And that's what we had last year. You know, the depth itself was a weapon, uh, unlike any that I'd ever seen. And so now we're maybe more normal. Uh, but I'd still like to see a couple bodies that can go in there in crunch time, not in mop-up, but in crunch time and, and contribute some snaps. And I think we're going to see a lot more of the bench earlier in the game rotating uh, this next week, and I think that's just going to be imperative. Uh, it's going to be a hot day, and it's going to be during the day, and we're going to need to 
for the sake of this game, but, you know, for the sake of the season development, we're going to need some of these younger guys, inexperienced guys, uh, competing and fighting in the front seven, particularly on the, on the defensive front. Well, it's interesting. You, I, I, I see, I hear what you're saying as far as asking for it. Um, I just don't think you're going to get it with this team. Um, you know, I, I went back and I was trying to see when the first sub came in the game. Um, the first sub in the front seven was Anthony Jennings. Um, he, he came in at the at the beginning of the uh, – right there at the very end of the first quarter when we had pinned him in deep on a punt. Um, he came in for the first play of that series. Um, we did not see Dakota Ball until the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, we did not see Josh Frazier until much later in the game. So take nothing away from Dakota Ball. Nothing whatsoever, okay? Great impact – you know, great things he's done for the program. Uh, but Dakota Ball, who was obviously asked to play tight end last year at 6'3", 268 pounds, is not going to be your answer. And so this is not being me a negative for the listeners. I'm just calling as I see it. Um, we had basically six guys in the rotation. We had Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Dalvin Thomas, and Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson, and Deshaun Hand. That's it. And I think yeah. that's all you're going to see. Okay. Other teams have been blessed with eight guys for us. We've had teams that last year had 10 to 12. I think six is what you get. Um, Maybe, maybe, maybe we see uh, some true freshmen that are forced in the, you know, uh, are forced in just because these six wear down. Cause I'm going to be straight with you, man. Deron Payne and Dalvin Tomlinson are the only two guys that really need to be inside guys. Yeah. Jonathan Allen got put inside. He got blown up on double team coverage. Jonathan Allen's a great player. Don't sure. take this wrong, Bama fans. No, he's but, more of an outside but, but in the first quarter, when he was double teamed by a guard in the center, he was blown up. Okay. Tim Williams at the point of attack. Tim Williams was not comfortable at the point of attack with the running game. Okay. Yeah. Just wasn't. They didn't run at him enough, but their right tackle is six foot nine, 360 pounds. And if I was USC, I would have ran that six foot nine guy, Tim Williams, straight up, and I would have run the ball more. So I'm just saying that 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 I think this I think this front seven is going to be asked to do things that they haven't been asked to do. And so when you talk about depth, I'm not concerned about Deshaun Hand, Jonathan Allen, Tim Williams, and Ryan Anderson if you leave them on the outside. Okay. But mm-hmm. as the second quarter wore on. Jonathan Allen had to come inside. Deshaun Hand had to come inside. Neither one of them looked as comfortable when they came inside. So, so as I break this down and, and probably be too analytical, of those starting six, those those four on the edge, great. We just need somebody else in the middle with Deron Payne and Dalvin Tomlinson to give them a breather. If we don't get that, because a defensive end, I'm with you, man. We can play an outside linebacker. We can, you know, we, we have we have some opportunity. Uh, you know, to provide some, you know, to sort of manufacture some depth. But the big, but the, you know, the nose guard type, right? So the big bodies inside, you can't manufacture that. You, you either have it or you don't. And so we're going to need a Quinnen Williams. We're going to need a Jamar King. We're going to need a Josh Frazier. You know, if if Raekwon Davis, if if the clearinghouse will, will clear him, I think, you know, he's sort of day one depth. Uh, and, and I think that, that, that he can help out there. We've got four or five guys that are just right there. 
and we don't need all of them. You know, you know, last year we had the numbers, you know, that would equal all of them contributing. We don't need all of them, but we need a good two of them that can be dependable. Uh, e even in the two deep, we need two of them that can be de dependable in the two deep. If we don't, then it's going to be a long, it, you know, across the front, it can be a long season. Well, to your point real quick about saying we need two of them, right? I guess that's what I'm saying. We got six right now, and we got to have two more to get to eight. And what concerns me is we didn't see a body until we saw Dakota Ball come in, and he was the first guy up. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting here saying, wait a minute. Because here's the thing. If you can get a team in third and long and second and long, well, then you can drop Jonathan Allen down and you can drop Deshaun Hand down and you can bring in Rashawn Evans and Tim Williams on the edge and you can have four pass rushers, right? And you can kind of you can kind of uh, hide your your lack of depth. And so if you can get teams in second and long and third and long, I'm not concerned. I'm just saying if teams keep us if teams get us in second and four and third and four, that's the problem. And for Dakota Ball to be the first guy up like the first man up at 263 pounds, that worries me that they're not comfortable uh, trying. Okay, Saban's great, right? Great coach. But to your point, why didn't you try some of those other guys when you were kicking their tail? Why not Why not try some of those guys in, in all the third and fourth quarter? Well, later in the game, they did start to come in. But, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't say that to sort of argue your point. I, I think I think what I want to do is underscore your point because this is something, you know, this is something you're not going to get anywhere, anywhere else, right? We have all of these, you know, sports cars on, on defense that can get after the quarterback. But if we can't get to third and long and we can't get to second and long because teams can methodically wear out our, our front, then we've got all that talent that's going un, unutilized, right? And so you think, and and look, this will be the most insane thing to, to think about, but, you know, it, to pick a guy, right? Josh Frazier may be the key to the defense, right? Because if we don't have the bodies that can get us, that can help stop the run on first and second down to get to a third and long, then – we don't get to play with all the toys. And so having another big body up front that can help us get to third and long might be the key to the defense for all the rest of the talent. It's going to be a player that fans don't know who it is. No, it's absolutely going to be key. And I'm going to tell you very quickly, this, the coaching staff right now, okay, is probably worried to shit about this. And D-Day is 12 days. Tomorrow it will be 11 days. Yes. And I wish they were not on the schedule until freaking November. Okay. Because right now they are the one team with their Dinkin and Duncan that can neutralize speed early and can wear out those two defensive tackles. Right. And now it's going to be like, Oh shit. So we better see, we better see a Josh Frazier early, uh, earlier because he's the, he was the next guy off the bench. He was number four. Yep. We better see him earlier, and we better see somebody else earlier against Western Kentucky to get them a little reps under their belt. That's yep. all I'm saying. No, that's fair. We're on the same page there. I, I agree. Talk to me about the secondary or or the or the or the linebacker crew. What what uh, I want to I want to I want to first talk about Reuben Foster. Uh, you can tell he's lost weight. Yep. Um, Reuben Foster, I, I think, looked a lot more mobile. Uh, he looked a lot more comfortable. Uh, the analogy of you know I. 
I think he's gotten the defense and he's comfortable. Yeah. And when you got the defense, you don't have to think and you can just fly around. Okay. I will also tell you very quickly that because of that lack of depth from Deron Payne and Dalvin Tomlinson in this, at the end of the first quarter, USC had a little success running the ball in a couple plays, like, you know, five or six yard runs. Well, those were when Jonathan Allen and Deshaun Hand had to get pushed down because they had to, like, give him a breather. Well, quickly, Sean Dion Hamilton and Reuben Foster, uh, they started calling a lot of run blitzes, and they started having Sean Dion Hamilton and Reuben Foster uh, hit the gaps in the middle of the defense. And those two guys shot in and made a big difference um, on, on, on neutralizing that lack of, of depth in the interior, if that makes sense. I thought the, I thought the linebacker play, the, the, the read and recognition from Sean Dion Hamilton and Reuben Foster um, was huge in helping us shut down their run game. Yeah, I think that's fair, right? And I think that's manufacturing. It goes back to the same thing, right? It goes back to manufacturing, uh, you know, gap filling. Um, you know, we don't have the body, so we've got to manufacture some weight in there, and we do that with some run blitzes uh, in a way that, you know, with Jaron Reed and Ashawn, we didn't have to last year. So that's going to be interesting to play out. Like you said, I agree, uh, you know, 100%. That's going to be a key position. And um, it's going to be a no-name guy that's going to be sort of be the the linchpin to how good and how deep this defense can go. And uh, like you said, I agree. You said it well. D days in eleven days, so that'll uh, that'll be interesting. Let me um, let me let me make one more linebacker comment if I can, real quick. Just like when we opened the season against Virginia Tech, and it was the Reggie Raglan and Reuben Foster show, and they were much heavier, right? And they wore yep. out. Okay, they got very tired. Um, we should equally be concerned about depth at, at, at those two linebacker positions, because as you saw in this game, we basically ran a four, two, five, most of the game. And they were the only two true linebackers in the game because the other linebackers had their hands in the dirt and they were the only two guys out there. And when Rashawn Evans came in, he played outside as, you know, as, you know, on pass rushing type of situations. My, my point is we didn't see a Christian Miller. We didn't see a Keith Holcomb until very late. Um, when Anthony Jennings came in, he came in to spell Tim Williams or uh, to spell Ryan Anderson and put his hand in the dirt and go after the quarterback. Those two linebackers played pretty much the whole game. The only difference is, they're 30 pounds lighter and they're in shape and they were able to play 60 plays and not get tired. And so equally like with the two interior defensive linemen, we have got to see somebody step up one guy. We need one guy to step up and to uh, spell Sean Dion Hamilton and Reuben Foster. Yeah. And I would even say we need a couple of guys. I'd like to see, you know, Rashawn Evans get a little more run there, a little more prep. Uh, I would like to see Joshua, um, uh, McMillan. I mean, he's a big thumper, uh, which I think we're going to need against, uh, you know, call it an LSU. So I think that, you know, I'd like to see him start to get some run in there. And then the freshmen, you know, Mac Wilson and Ben Davis, I think we're going to start to see them. Um, and we may see them, you know, again, coming up this week. It'll be interesting to kind of see how, how they 
how they are brought along. I think I think we have a lot of ability. Um, I think we have more ability at the linebacker position than we do the defensive line. Uh, it's just inexperienced. Uh, across the defensive front, I think it's inexperienced, and I don't think the upside ability is there. doesn't mean they can't contribute and be valuable. I just think the upside isn't there in the way that it is at the linebacker core. Oh, that's fair. And so, so last year with the front set, with the with the um, with the front line, right? Teams were talking about our depth of running twelve guys out there in the front four, right? Well, when you think about the front seven right now, I guess what I'm saying is eight guys played in our front seven, eight guys. <laughs> and so that just worries me a little bit. Yeah. So tell me, so tell me about DBs because we saw five guys <laughs> on the field pretty much the whole game. Um, those five guys was out there, you know, obviously Hootie came in and in, in the little bit of dime, but basically we saw five guys out there. Uh, so what, what was your, what was your thoughts on, on those guys? Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to twist my arm, pat myself on the back, but, uh, you, you know, I was on, I was on Twitter the week before the game and, and, uh, you know, folks were asking, you know, what's, you know, what, there's a there's a radio show in Tuscaloosa the the game that was asking you know hey what's your what's your key matchup and you know I just kind of picked back and I said you know if Marlon can cover uh, Juju one on one then bet the over and uh, and essentially he did right you know Marlon did have a pick six but we held uh, Juju Smith Schuster to to one catch for nine yards and I never would have guessed that right I thought that I thought that you know he'd have probably eight catches for a buck twenty is is what I was expecting and and that we would just have to overcome that you know, to win. And, and I mean, gosh, he didn't have anything near that. So anything, any, anybody that was betting that Juju and Calvin Ridley would, would sort of blow the top off the stadium, man, <laughs> they lost at the windows. Right. Um, but I, I give, uh, you know, Anthony Averett, right. You know, this was his first start. Uh, he was targeted a couple times, had a, they had a big reception uh, against him. And it seems like once USC kind of ran out of their 15 play play script, you know, they threw it away without thought of maybe we want to go back to some of this stuff. And so it's almost like they were like, well, what plays did we run that were working a little bit earlier? Because they seem to have no clue. And It seems and like they forgot them, that one play, correct? What's that? They forgot that one play that worked really well in their first yeah. 15. And so why would you not, you know, I like your, your thought of why would you not, you know, run at Tim Williams and why would you not throw at Anthony Avery? And – and I'm not picking on those guys because I think they're they're talented and 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 they're they contribute well at what they do, but they're also, you know, a little bit of fish out of water. Or you know, Tim Williams taking on the run, he hasn't proven that he can do that. And then Anthony uh, is starting for the first time, and so he hasn't proven that he can consistently, you know, ha- handle that. And I'm not suggesting that he can't. I'm just saying, why would you not test the heck out of it if you're USC? And they had a little bit of success, but almost almost didn't go back to that well, which is just incredibly surprising. Well, I want to say he had five balls thrown at him, and if I'm USC, I'd have had ten or twelve. <laughs> when, no, no, no. Well, think about it. They threw the ball thirty-seven times. Why did you know? Why did twelve of them not go to the least experienced DB? Well, no, and here and here's another thing, right? And we're not we're not trying to act like we're offensive coordinators or anything, but. Um, we also saw no slants, right? We didn't see any slants. We didn't see any screens. We didn't see any things that could help a young quarterback. 
And so if I've got, you know, I've got this great USC receiver who's, who's done 1,400 yards last year, maybe I try to split him out wide on an island with Anthony Everett and uh, maybe I, I just try to slant him in and have the quarterback do a quick, you know, two or three step drop and try to hit him on the run. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, just try to break it up. Do something, right? Just, just use his physicality, you know, to to your advantage. And so, um, I think from a Bama's fans' perspective, it was awesome uh, because we, you know, Averett got to get his uh, his his feet wet, um, and obviously he has earned the right to to be out there. And um, you know, they 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 didn't take advantage of, of what they probably should have taken advantage of. Um, yeah. I also, also think that they, they really didn't even try. Um, uh, they didn't even try to like, you know, go to the tight end very much. Um, just, I just was surprised after the 15 scripted plays, I was very, um, I was very unimpressed with how T Martin called the rest of the game. Yeah. I was very impressed, unimpressed with the rest of the calling. Yeah, and you know, at risk of you know, at risk of sounding like a butthurt Auburn fan, I just think that our our defense was good. It just wasn't tested in the way that you that you thought it could be tested. And 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 you know, and you and I were sort of going back at each other, at, you know, at the game. Right? We can only play the team that's only on the field, and it's not our fault that they're not as good as we thought that they were. And and you and I are. I mean, look, if anybody knows us, they know that we're excited about a win like this. So I, I don't want to sound like we're not. But there's a little bit of I was expecting more of a contest, and and I was expecting more of, um, you know, it's the whole thing with Saban, right? We've got to develop. We've got to improve. We've got to demonstrate that we have what it takes. And so to some extent, we demonstrated a lot, but we didn't demonstrate everything that I wanted us to see. And it's more of a function that the, that the, the opponent didn't throw it at us. And so I want to think that all that stuff is there, but I don't know. And no, so, no, to be, you know, no, to be, no, to be fair, okay, just like Saban said, there's a ton to work on, to, you know, to, to paraphrase. To to the listeners, we're saying the same thing. We're just we're just pointing out some of the things that we think needs to be worked on. Right. Because, he's not, uh, he's not because, gonna call it out, right? No, no, but he's not going to. And I don't want to sit here and be that fan that says, rah, rah, we won fifty-two to six. And then a couple weeks from now we're doing a podcast and saying, Well, why'd we lose to Ole Miss? Right. We we thought yeah. we were the best team in the freaking we thought we were world beaters. So we're just calling it as we see it. I think that's what listeners respect about us. We're just we're just being straight with them. Yeah, I mean, you know, Steve Jobs said, you know, the dots connect in hindsight, and so I, I think we're trying to exercise a little bit of foresight. We're not predicting doom and gloom, but we're no. saying, hey, here's here's where it may come from if it does come. No, absolutely. So give me give me your game ball, so I won't steal it. Who who's your game ball? Yeah, man, I almost gave it away just a minute ago, and I may have, I may actually have, but I'm going Anthony Averett, man, because just coming in the way that he did, he had seven tackles, right, and so he kind of led the led the team in 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 tackles. But just, I just, you know, hats off to his grit. Uh, if if you were to, you know, go back to 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 spring, right. He was buried behind Mo Smith and Kendall Sheffield, and and just it's almost like the seas parted. And I hate that those two guys left. I, I hate sort of the circumstances and 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 sort of how it kind of played out. A lot of it kind of in the media, and I don't think that was handled 
correctly, probably on a couple different fronts. But you take an Anthony Averett who just, you know, heads down and grinds, heads down and grinds, earns a starting spot. First thing he's, you know, yay for me. Now they're going to pick on me, right? And and I thought he overall he handled that very well. He's going to continue to be a target. He's going to continue to be picked at. That's just the nature of the game. But I just hats off to the way he competed uh, being thrust into that uh, that position. And, 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 look, he's one of those guys that, that has been around the program a little bit, maybe hasn't gotten as, as much of an opportunity as, as a much run, but he knows the system. He's going to go in there and compete, and uh, he's going to give us everything he has. And um, I, just, I just tip of the cap to the guy. All right, so you ready for me to blow up the mini game ball again? Do it again. All right, so this is going to be a triple header. Uh, <laughs> first, of all, first of all, I have to get a shout-out to uh, Ryan Anderson. Um, and the reason I am is because I think this is the best game he's played in Alabama uniform. Um, Ryan Anderson is, is, is one of those guys that is going to be a huge player on our team this year. And, uh, he is a star in the making. He has been behind the the curtain and he's been one of those next guys up. Um, but a lot of people are going to start knowing his name who don't, and you know, a lot don't know his name. Um, a Tim Williams who gets talked about and, and kudos to him. He, he rushes the quarterback from one side. Ryan Anderson has the ability to rush from both sides, and he is asked routinely to put his hand in the dirt on the left side, put his hand on the dirt on the right side, drop back in the middle next to uh, Reuben Foster if we need you to. I love his versatility. He, he actually can just move around that front seven and play a lot of different positions. And um, that's going to be key due to that lack of depth. And Agreed. so um, I, I really appreciate um, how well he played. Um, I, I think he was probably the, the star of the game for us. Um, next, it's going to be uh, – next, I'm going to have to give a shout-out to, to Sean Deion Hamilton. Um, Sean Deion Hamilton has come a long way. Uh, since he was thrust into that uh, semifinal game against Ohio State uh, due to an injury, and uh, got got a got a got a crackback block from a little white receiver, a little white boy uh, wide receiver in the slant, and just didn't see it coming. Um, I think that's the best game Sean Deion Hamilton's played. I look forward to seeing more for him this year. Um, he was aggressive. Uh, his read and recognition was huge. It was very fast. Um, didn't see him out of position and missing a gap the whole night. And so uh, that's huge. And then the, the third one um, that I want to give has to go to uh, Keith Holcomb, who I guess is your mini game ball uh, definition. Um, he came in late, uh, but he finished with one, pri- uh, one pass breakup, five uh, tackles, one tackle for loss. Um, I thought he played pretty well. And so when you talk about we need two guys to step in at linebacker, uh, everybody's going to be looking to those stud incoming freshmen and I think Keith Holcomb's going to say, "Wait a minute, I got I got something to say about that." Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, wow, that was a lot, man. Um, Sorry, man. I just had to get it off my chest. So, uh, so, uh, so, give me give me some special teams, man. Is this where we talk about J.K. Scott and his two tackles on defense of stats or what? <laughs> you know, I think the kickers. I love I love what we got from the kickers. It's the kind of thing that I just you know, if we could just see. Uh, if we could just see this every week, then 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 I would be fine. You know, Adam hit a kick, 29 yards. Uh, that was nice. He had four touchbacks. Uh, that was that was especially good, knowing that USC actually does have a dangerous return game. Uh, Dora Jackson back there is really good. 
Uh, and then, then JK just, you know, you know, you're going to talk about his tackling prowess. He kind of just did what he does, right? I mean, he had, he had five averaged 47, uh, you know, he put on a show, uh, in a way that he's not done in that stadium. And so that was, that was nice to see. And then, you know, it just pains me to see Calvin Ridley returning punts. And it's nothing against him personal. He's a superior athlete. I just don't like putting a franchise guy at risk and doing that kind of job. And so that's that's really what I have to say about special teams. You probably have a little bit more. You probably have 15 game balls you want to give out on special teams. Well, man, I'm shocked that you didn't talk about J.K. Scott killing that ball at the two-yard line, man. You were about to jump out of your seat in the stadium. I was. You're right. That was that was a nice one. That was a no. Nice no, there was. Um, you know, we we have to say that we're excited that there was not a kickoff return for a touchdown from the opposing team in the first game of the season. The first game of the year. Right. We broke I mean, like a we broke a streak or some shit. Right. That's like well, no, that's like I mean, it's like two or three years that ha- that that that's happened. Yeah, I wish you hadn't said anything. So, so maybe that's because was is that because there was a change in the special teams coach? What you think? What you think? Maybe, maybe I think possibly. So that's all I got to say on special teams. You've been waiting all off season for that. Oh hell yeah, I've been waiting to throw that one out there, dude. So that's all I got on special teams, man. So, uh, so what what what's your thoughts about this next opponent, man? It's it's uh, what what state are they from? The Hilltoppers are uh, from the western portion of uh, Kentucky, and uh, you know, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Here's what I'm gonna tell you about this. Right? I was just kidding, Hilltoppers, man. I was just making light of the situation. No, I understand. Uh, I, I'm gonna tell you. Here's kind of the deal. Um, it's a Saturday afternoon game. It's a 2:30 kick, Tuscaloosa time. Uh, so it's gonna be the during the heat oh, of the day. crap. Yeah, it's it's gonna be that one game of the season that's just miserable to to sit in, and uh, that's gonna be this one. Uh, the team is going to be sort of riding the high of last week, and uh, they're going to have sort of visions or thoughts of Ole Miss in their head. Uh, you know, Ole Miss was really putting it on Florida State at one point, and then uh, early in that game, and then of course we've lost to them two years in a row, and then we're playing in Ole Miss. And so, I'm going to use the term trap game, and I'm going to misuse that term because it's used typically as you know, hey, watch out for this team. They they might actually beat you, and so that's why it's a trap. This is this is a a less dangerous trap. This is this is you know we have the opportunity to look bad in this game while we beat them thirty one to ten, and it's going to be the type of game. I just guarantee you, Saban is going to be hot after this game uh, because we're going to be a little bit sloppy, a little bit sort of not fully thinking about this game. We're going to play a lot of depth, and that's going to contribute to the team, to the opponent having maybe a little bit of, of success. And so all of these are going to go into this witch's brew that in this in the press conference call it next Tuesday, Saban is just going to have one of his, you know, one of his rants, you know, one of his Coke bottle rants or, you know, shit through a tin horn rants. He's going to have one of those, like, legendary rants about a week about a week from today. Well, um, well, we're going to win. win, you know, three scores. I would agree with that, uh, that, that we are going to see a, a more colorful side uh, from Saban. And, it, you know, we talked about the depth thing, right? This is a game we have to see that depth. And so this is a recipe for him to, to freaking blow his top because we're going to bring young guys in or we better bring in young guys 
to find those two defensive interior guys we need and those two linebacker interiors guys we need and and, and a little depth at, at the uh, at the uh, safety position. We kind of need depth all through the middle of our defense, right? We're good on the edges, right? We're good on the peripheral. We just need, you know, help in the middle there. And 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 so and so and so and so liter and so so literally literally what I will tell you there. Literally, literally what I will tell you there is that we just we just simply need to see those young guys, you know, step up, see those young guys create depth. And that's going to just frustrate the hell out of Saban because there's going to be mistakes and we just got to grin and bear it because we're trying to get ready for Ole Miss. Yep. Yep. I agree. Anything else? I got a curveball for you, but I. I want to see if you've got anything else you want to cover. Well, you know, give me give me your score prediction for kicks and grins because you threw one out a second ago. So we played them four years ago. We we won thirty five to nothing. Do we at least get a shutout? No, we don't. And and that thirty five that thirty thirty five to nothing. I, I I was thinking they actually scored. And you and I were talking earlier. I thought they had put points on the board. That thirty five to nothing was an even a you know like I have time to do stuff like this, but I know you almost want to even go back and listen to that show because I think that I, I think that that score was far from representative of the game. Um, I think we scored a lot of points late with our backups, but uh, I think, I think this is a, I think this is a, maybe a similar game. It's 31 to 10. It's probably closer and uglier than that. And you see, we're going to sit through that game and think oh, that was the most miserable hot game day that I've ever been through. Why did, why did I not just watch this one on TV? Uh, and so that's going to be sort of the experience, but, um, but yeah, coach is going to be hot. We're not going to look as good as, uh, as even that margin. And, uh, but it's going to be sort of a developmental experience. Yeah. I think it's going to be kind of like the, I think it's going to be a 35 point margin again, but I think it's going to be 42 to seven. And it's really going to piss off the starters that the backups give up a touchdown, and um, it's going to give plenty of uh, plenty of stuff to have fun with uh, Ole Miss week. Okay, okay. So give me your curveball here before we wrap up. What do you think about the hiring of Steve Sarkeesian? I think it's ingenious. <laughs> okay, unpack that. I, I, I absolutely love it. Really? Uh, the 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 rich gets freaking richer because. Everybody is rogue until they come to Saban. And with Saban, it's a process. You're Lane Kiffin. You run your mouth. You say things you shouldn't say, blah, blah, blah. You come to Alabama, you're not allowed to talk. That's the way to solve that problem. Starkazian will not be allowed to talk. He has got a genius mind offensively. Um, he can help us fill in some edges. He can help us improve our offensive philosophy and um, we keep him from going somewhere else and sharing his intelligence elsewhere. We bring him behind our lines. I think it's awesome. I, you know, you were so anti-Kiffin that I, I figured there might be some rub-off on, 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 on Sark. And so, I, I, you know, it's almost like and, and there's a certain genius to this. It's almost like Saban's running like a coaching rehab clinic. And so – you know, and, and so this is sort of, you know, he's got Kiffin, he's got, you know, Mike Loxley, uh, who I think has had some, so, you know, some sort of color in his background and, uh, and in Sark. 
um, you know, obviously his his troubles are, are you know are kind of well known as well. And so it's 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 almost like risk free. I can bring in this you know high quality, high caliber, you know, offensive mind. High football IQ. That's the key. Yes. Football high IQ. Football IQ. And so if he doesn't have his act together, then then he can leave and it doesn't really sort of impact us in any sort of way. If he has his act together, then and, and this is sort of the down the road thinking that to me <clears throat> is really ingenious. If he gets to sit in the room and sort of participate and learn the players and Kiffin gets a job, a head coaching job next year, then, you know, Sark has been. An no, he steps in as the offensive coordinator. Absolutely. Yes. He, 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 he's really, he would then really be a no brainer to step in. Of and course. Everything exactly as it is. You know, exactly. he's been coached together at USC. He's been an offensive coordinator at USC. He's been a quarterback coach at USC. He's been a head coach at a couple of different programs. And so he has all of that sort of pedigree. He just has this baggage. And so if – and I don't want to minimize the baggage. It's, it's, you know, it's something to it. But if he can sort of rehab, like literally and figuratively through that, his football capability – is is in knowledge and IQ off the charts. is off, off the, the charts. charts and it's not even it's not even questionable. It's just managing the other. And so if he can come in, zero pressure on him, which sometimes can cause you to sort of cave into some of the other stuff. So zero pressure on him day one. And if he can sort of evolve into, you know, maybe replacing the offensive coordinator role, which frankly under Saban is a less um stress role than it might be under, you know, a different program under a different head coach. So I just think, you know, there's limited downside and the upside could be phenomenal. No, it, it could be, but think about what he did when he had his defensive line situation, right? And how quickly he went and got Carl yes. Dunbar. Yes. Yes. Right. Think about what he did when Kirby smart finally had to go and he got Jeremy Pruitt back so quickly. Why did he bring Jeremy Pruitt back? All the fans know, right? Continuity. Mm -hmm. You know how I want to do things since you came here from Hoover High School. And so, and so, in my opinion, all these former head coaches, okay, you call it rehab. That's, that's hilarious. We'll have to use that again. But they're also coming here because they're like, we want to be the next Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp. And when we come here under you, it is a springboard to bigger and better things. We want to be Jim McElwain. We want to be Kirby Smart. We want to be Will Muschamp. We want to be the next root in your tree that you send out. I want Saban on my resume. Right, but but look where it gets me. Sure. Right? Look where it gets me. So Burton Burns, does he aspire for that? I don't think so. Do I have any knowledge of the situation? No. But I think he's really good at coaching running backs, obviously. And so Saban's like, we're going to keep you at all costs. Like I'm going to keep freaking Scott Cochran at all costs. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a couple guys I'm just keeping here, period. Yep. But, but to your point, in my opinion, he knows he can only keep Lane Kiffin around for so long. And so I need to have a Jeremy Pruitt situation like I do when, okay. He knew Kirby Smart was leaving. He knew it was coming. So when he, so when he, he's like, okay, he probably already had the moving pieces for Jeremy Pruitt. Well, guess what? I agree with you. You've hit the nail on the head. 
He's already planning for Lane Kiffin's departure, and he's hoping Sarkeesian is the answer. Right. What's the, what's the hardest thing for a CEO? Let's face it. He's a Bobby Bowden. He's a CEO who likes coaching DBs, so he gets in the weeds more than, than other coaches, CEOs do. But at the end of the day, what is it? It's continuity, a defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator. So what's so ingenious about this guy is he still gives a shit nine years later of coaching this team. He wants to dominate and he wants to win as many national championships as he freaking can. Yep. And and there's not enough. If he wins the next 10 in a row, he's going to say, Tar, sorry, guys, y'all should have tried freaking harder. Right. So it's, it's, it's ingenious. It's and absolutely kind of, ingenious. Kind of along the same lines. And so, you know, we're not just kind of making this up, right? Kind of along the same lines. You know, Mario Cristobal is, is, is widely re- – widely regarded as one of the top recruiters, widely regarded as a candidate for another head coaching job. And so what do we do? We shift him from being the full-time, you know, offensive line uh, coach to being really the tackles and tight ends. And so that allows us to kind of do something different with Bobby Williams. And then we bring in Brent Key, who has experience being an offensive coordinator and an offensive line coach, and he's coaching the inside guys. And so we effectively kind of have two guys coaching the the, the tackles just in case in the line. What have we really done? We've demonstrated our succession plan for when Cristobal leaves. Uh, and, and look, I'd like to keep him forever, but I understand people aspire to, 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 to do things. And he has turned down opportunities to, to do things. And so, you know, there's going to be a day where, where he moves on and, um, it, you know, and Kiffin moves on. And so think about the, dev- the continuity, like you just said. Think about the, the devastation that it could be to the offensive side of the ball to lose your offensive coordinator and your line coach. Well, if Sark sort of does what we think he might be able to do, it would just be literally plug and play. Absolutely. And, and where – I mean, that that is – I mean, look, I don't want to be melodramatic, but that's unheard of. Oh, it is. But but here's the other thing very quickly, and we probably need to touch on this uh, in our next podcast at, you know, at the uh, at the beginning of the, the next uh, podcast show for any listeners that, that might miss some of this is um, how many times have we talked about head coaches not being able to have former head coaches on their staff? Right. They, they can't handle it. The ego thing, et cetera. Right. Saban is just one of a rare breed that can do this. And it's just because of the type of guy he is. Dude, we've got five, counting Sark, we've got five on our staff, and three of them are off-field coaches. I mean, they want to be there. That's amazing. It's absolutely because they want it on their resume. Yes. It's what you said a second ago. Yep. No, we had an offensive – no, think about this. We had – I wish I could think of the guy's name. He was an offensive coordinator – um, I want to say Nevada came essentially as an offensive analyst, and then he is back somewhere on the West Coast as an offensive coordinator again. So, you know, that just tells you, man, the caliber of – I mean, these guys can be offensive coordinators. I will take a title that that is a significant downgrade in title. It's even an off-the-field position, but I can put Saban name, Saban's name next to it. And that carries more weight than being an offensive coordinator at, you know, Sisters of Mercy U. So, so we had a fun little time there. That could have been like a whole mini show in the offseason. But, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Thanks for listening and participating, and roll tide.
Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout-out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.